DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. I don't hear nothing. Me neither. Yak is looking around very confused. Man, right I got now. some serious wax, but not that bad. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Dylan, good morning. <laughs> good morning. How are we doing? Doing well. I want you to pick both the Pac-12 and the Mountain West Conference title games, because obviously the Utes and the Aggies, and there's a lot of local interest in those, and I know the Collies are football junkies, so you're following all football all the time. And I will let you go ahead and pick the one that you find the easiest to pick because you're the most confident in the choice to win the game. Who would that be? Um, I would probably say Utah State. In terms of just confidence flat out, Right, which game can I pick and say this is the one I feel best about? Um, definitely the Utah State game. But on the side of that, right? Uh, I mean, if we look back at Cam Rising's first game as a starter for the Utah Utes, uh, I believe I had said that you know the University of Utah was in a great position to run the table and win out, uh, and they've done that thus far. I would not mind being right again <laughs> and uh, them winning out and winning the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can see that as far as that goes. Uh, I, the, the thing, I'm a little bit nervous for Utah because I don't know that they could play better. And I know that Oregon can play a lot better, obviously. The thing that would uh, concern me from the Oregon perspective is do I need Utah to repeat that performance in order to beat the Ducks? And my answer is I probably don't. I don't think they need to be that good. So I'm sort of on that plane of thinking that the Utes won't match it, but they probably don't need to match it. But somehow if Oregon can summon its best game of the season, I think they would have a shot too. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things that you know comes into play right in this game is where this game used to be uh, in an environment right in California where there weren't many fans that ever came uh, and an outdoor venue, right? Uh, nice and this game, you're playing indoors against an extremely fast team like the Oregon Ducks and, and like you're saying, right? Very difficult to sit here and say that Oregon's going to come out and play as poorly as they did last time. So, um, I think that's where the lack of confidence is, and flat out saying that I think the Utes are going to win is, is the, you know, those types of uh, circumstances. But the team that dominates the line of scrimmage usually wins the game, so you figure the Utes are going to dominate the line of scrimmage, maybe not as thoroughly and completely as they did the first time, but still plenty enough to win the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So can uh, Utah State throw the ball on San Diego State the way the Utes did when they switched quarterbacks and the way Fresno did when they threw for 300 yards and gave the Aztecs their only loss? Or the Aztecs run the ball, dominate the line of scrimmage, so they win the game? I think that Utah State's ability to play over the top, right, in a game like a championship environment um, where Utah State or San Diego State, San Diego State has – obviously an extremely disciplined defense, 
but they do show a lot of holes consistently, especially when it comes to special teams, right? Um, especially when it comes to the kind of lack of speed around the perimeter, whereas because of you know Anderson's offense, you're seeing a lot of speed and a lot of gaps on the outside, uh, where that that box that's normally so important to San Diego State really doesn't uh, doesn't become it's a, it's a non-factor. So you were on that BYU team. Was it the second one that went seven and six when you were senior? Uh, I yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, did you have any inclination of what was about to happen the next two years? Two years. Uh, yes, I, I believe in the last four games of the season, my senior year, we saw a huge shift in the way um, in the way that the assistants, you know, were made up, and the way that they played a role in the offense. Um, you know what we did when Zach first stepped into the role to kind of accommodate the offense to what was going to fit his style of play, right? We went away from the longer play calls, the in-huddle play calls. We went to straight signals. um, And, you know, there was just a much, much faster uh, offense being played. Um, And I credit that a lot to A-Rod and Fessy Sataki. Yeah. and so you can kind of see the culture changing in that way. You knew we had the right guys in the right places, and you knew that Kalani wanted to do what was best for the program on both a player side and the football side. And so I knew coming into it, and we go back to what my experience was personally, right? It's not like I had an outstanding year. Um, but I knew that you know if I could come in and make an impact on the culture and uh, help elevate that, then – you know, they've had the talent for the next few years to be able to, to, to change the tide. So we've had this uh, big debate, and there's plenty of people wondering what the heck's going to happen with BYU in a bowl game. Uh, BYU planting the flag in a state they rarely go to, Louisiana playing in the Independence Bowl against 11-1 UTSA, or BYU going back to familiar stomping grounds where there's lots of fans and lots of potential recruits and playing in a game in Arizona. Obviously, you take a New Year's Six if it falls your way. I don't think it will, but if it does, you grab it. Uh, yeah. what, what would you lobby for? What do you value? Yeah, obviously, you want that New Year's Six. I, mean, I think that's what everybody wants, right? And that makes the most sense in terms of desires. But, um, you know, I think we've talked about this before. You've, you've put your resume out there for the last two years. People know you're legit. People know you're real. Um, and you continue to use this as another year of building and another year to say, okay, what does next season look like? Um, and you can only control so much, right? <laughs> they don't have a ton of control right now. And so, uh, you take what you can, and that's, hey, we have a lot of players that are coming back on both sides of the ball that should be healthy, right? We're not going to go into USC playing with guys that, um, you know, they play great, but I don't even know the names of. Uh, and so, you know, you look at what the 2022 season is going to bring, and, you know, I don't necessarily like to look ahead, but no matter the bowl game, uh, it's been a phenomenal season, and what's going to come next year is, is going to be game-changing. 
wanted to hit you up on this idea of these coaches leaving like they do. And, you know, we're all for bettering yourself, and I don't think anybody's going to hold it against you. But particularly in the Brian Kelly situation, when you're potentially on the verge of a playoff bid, you need a couple things to happen. But, you know, who knows if they happen or don't happen. Um, but as far as them, it's, it's general not to really pick on anybody, but it's general across the business of them demanding such uh, uh, focus and commitment. And then they don't even see the season through. I just have a little problem with that. Yeah. I mean, um, this is coming from a guy who transferred twice, right? <laughs> um, the level of, you know, and, I, and I even look at the regret that I have, right? And as I sit here three years later and knowing that I did lead BYU once and then came back to BYU after being at Hawaii and loving Hawaii so much, um, you know, the level of commitment that I stood for at that time uh, was probably a little more immature than it was forward thinking. Um, and I look at what coaches are doing now. I look at what the transfer portal looks like. I mean, the coaches almost seem like they're just following the, the scent of the players, right? Like, yeah. They just jump and go like it's nobody's business. And for what Brian Kelly did yesterday morning to enter into a, a, a team meeting after your team found out about you leaving schools, right, to require a 7 a.m. team meeting and you go in there for less than two minutes <laughs> and don't take a single question and leave is, you know, quite possibly one of the most immature and asinine things I've, uh, I've heard from a coach. Um, and unfortunately, I think it stands pretty par with the way he handled a lot of things. Um, but, you know, these are all, these are all still people, right? And, and the goal is to chase the bag ultimately. Uh, and if they're going to make more money somewhere else, then chances are they're going to take it. Um, and so there's a limit to how good of people can be and, and how good the money is. And in an industry like football, it's, it's hard to, hard to compete with that. So as much as I want to crush Brian Kelly, and I definitely do, he's not the first coach to leave before a bowl game. That bridge has been crossed many times. But to leave when the, yep. the playoff is still realistic is shocking. But as much as I want to jump on him, and just to use your words, let's go with immature, I'm seeing coaches fired at multiple big-time schools two years after winning it all and going undefeated. So if immature is the word, don't we have to apply it to some school presidents at some football powers? Because Auburn's done it. LSU has done it. I might be leaving somebody out. Yeah, no, no, no question. That's what I'm saying. As an industry like football, right, where I think, you know, across the board – Understanding the circumstances and understanding what football has writing on it to each and every school, right? Without the football program at the University of Hawaii, right? I, like the school doesn't stand. So you have to understand that, that the, the football team is the most important piece of revenue. And in a lot of these 130 Division One football schools, football is what matters to their growth. Right, and it's what matters to the president's money, and what matters to the president's bag, and so each of these decisions are going to be based off of business decisions, especially when it comes to president. You want to talk about just 
not even, uh, I don't even think maturity applies to it, right? Because it's not even more so a personal decision as much as it is them thinking it's the right business decision. And that's why we only have a certain amount of companies that, you know, are flourishing in the world because people make bad business decisions. And that's the difference between a Fortune 500 company and a bottom tier company. And so you look at decisions being made off impulse and thinking, hey, oh, this is two years. It hasn't changed. Okay, well, you're fired. You know, people need time. Coaches need time to come and implement their recruits and their and their culture and, and help develop uh, environments that are winning environments. And, yeah, sometimes coaches maybe just don't have that ability as head coaches, but ultimately what you're looking at in those types of rash decisions is bad business decisions, <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. a big part of it to me, I think. Jern Holes let it slip a little bit that he's uh, thinking about the NFL at least to one degree or another, and he's got a business decision if he thinks he's an NFL guy. I mean, you made the statement that was very bold at the time coming off, I think, Wilson's freshman year of how good he would be and he ended up being right. Uh, do you think he's an NFL quarterback? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think he is an NFL quarterback. <clears throat> we go back to kind of what the expectation was for Jaron coming into the season. We had this conversation at the beginning of the season. It wasn't that, hey, Jaron's going to come in and be the same guy that Zach Wilson was, right? Jaron has a very similar potential to what Zach has. The difference is being time, right, because of the mission. And so Jaron just hasn't hit that potential as fast as Zach did because of that circumstance. And so – you know, Jaron is a Jaron is an NFL quarterback, right? He's an NFL talent. Um, me personally, right? For him, I would say, hey, let's wait one more year. Let's continue to develop, right? You know, from a business side, we're not even looking at, hey, let's go take another run at the NY6 Bulls. More so, let's get another shot, you know, physically to kind of reach that potential a little bit closer prior to actually entering into the NFL and, and having teams may feel like it's a risk uh, in terms of time. So NFL quarterback, that's a wide range also. You know, there's uh, there's roster mm-hmm. guys, there's trusted backups. I think that's another level. Uh, there's uh, starters. There's team. There's guys who can start. There's guys who can start, and you look at them and think, well, he's starting, they're going to be a playoff team. And then there's the guys who are just are perennial Super Bowl contenders and probably Hall of Famers. So there's all those levels. Is it too early to project him into any one of those levels? Because we've seen BYU quarterbacks go to each one of those levels over time. Absolutely. I think it is too early. If I had to put a stamp on it, and what I would be perfectly happy with, right, is if you're able to bring Jaron Hall into your program and have him be a, you know, not even a franchise guy, right? But if you have Jaron Hall in your program, your football team is going to be better for it. Culturally, right, the work ethic, he's going to, he, like, the his ability and the effect that he has on other people is like awe-inspiring, right? And so, you know, if he collects a check and collects a bag for six, seven years, uh, and maybe, you know, is more of just, hey, I'm here to get better and I'm making this team better, uh, I'd call that a win. Um, but obviously, like I said, he's got the potential to be, a, to be an NFL starter. Um, but that's, 
that's that's unknown because you don't truly understand what his potential is at this point. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Dylan, we appreciate it as always. Thanks a lot. See you, fellas. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed. Riley Jensen on the Aggies. Kyle Woodingham joined us to talk about his youth going to the Pac-12 title game. And BYU fans weighing in on the potential bowls and going 5-0 and in the Pac-12. We'll get to all of that coming up next, plus a massive game, early season game in the NBA with the Warriors and the Suns squaring off. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, reminding you to visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz Game, where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.